0: Welcome to Today, Maybe Forever. I'm Floyd Hall, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Alex Acosta. Alex, how you doing?
1: I'm doing great, Floyd. How you doing?
0: Man, I'm great. Glad to have some time with you today. We are here at Atlanta Contemporary, and uh, I want to thank them for giving us this space for this moment to have a talk really about what I think is you know hip-hop in a contemporary sense. Right. So we're in a, a space a place and a space for art in a contemporary moment. Yep. Hip-hop, being an art form. Yep. Uh, I want to start there. You know, we're going to go into some of your background. I think most people in Atlanta may know you as the director of Soul Food Cypher, uh, founder, co-founder. Mm-hmm. Um, you're steering that organization and, you know, have a long and uh, deep history with hip-hop. Mm-hmm. So... I want to talk about that first and then maybe go into some general conversation. Yeah, Um, sure. When did the idea for Soul Food Cypher first start for you?
1: That's a great question. So, as many people who grew up within hip-hop culture, meaning the culture that's comprised of five elements, meaning breakdancing, aerosol art or graffiti art, um... Emceeing in turntablism with that fifth uh, core element being knowledge. A lot of times we would go to shows and ciphers would spark off, but then these were ephemeral, these were fleeting ciphers. Um, you know, I had been in ciphers with some of my best friends growing up in high school, met a lot of people and hip hop hits throughout Atlanta at shows, but there was no one place in which you could plan to go to a cipher. And I remember just being mesmerized growing up here in the uh, Atlanta hip-hop scene um, by the B-boy jams that would happen. Big shout out to Mendez. Um, big shout out to HBO crew. Um, Burn Unit. All of those cats. I grew up in a very healthy uh, scene in which there was normal B-boy jams. We would go and the B-boys would cipher. But there was no place where the MCs could come together and cipher. Um, I had began working at Um, Whiteford Intel Computer Clubhouse which is in the Edgewood neighborhood in East Atlanta and I was uh, working at Whiteford and working with quote unquote at risk students um, and in particular teenagers Um, and the narrative behind these young people were that they weren't going anywhere and that uh, they were destined to fail because of where they were from because of the communities that they were in the schools that they were going to but originally I had gone there to work with them uh, in photography, my background is photojournalism, but quickly I realized that the real way I was able to connect with them was through our shared appreciation for rap and hip-hop culture. And while freestyling, they would share their backgrounds and they would share, you know, their stories of abandonment. But also, they could also share their stories of hope and aspirations as well. And they were ingenious right there on the spot. At the same time, I was freestyling with some of my best friends. And, you know, I thought, why not create a safe and nurturing environment in which we could bring together the individuals that uh, were at Whiteford in that community, but also uh, with some of the young professionals that I was freestyling with, some of the people that I had met on the hip-hop scene uh, throughout my years of growing up here in Atlanta. Uh, And that's where Cipher was born, came together with uh, several of my friends, wrote a proposal to Wonder Root. And want of Rudolph blessed us with a place to begin the cipher.
0: Cool. So now that we have the official backstory out of the way. Yep. The origin now, story. Right. you know we, we gotta get that, you know, out of the way. Yep. Um I wanna just talk about hip hop in Atlanta because you, you, you grew up in Atlanta as, uh-huh. as 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 I did. Um and I see you rocking the Tribe Call Quest, you know, hoodie, yep. as well as the the, the a classic A Town fitted. Absolutely. Um, and Five you know, Dog lived here yeah, for many, many years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um so, you know, we got the the braids fitted that I think hip hop community kind of made, mm-hmm. you know, popular. One of the things that happens when you're part of a culture, I think sometimes is you don't realize that you're part of a culture. Right. Like until like you get, you know, have some years behind you. Yeah. If you grew up in a certain era in Atlanta, the music was just the music and the scene was the scene, you know, the 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 dancing. Yep. Yeah. Um the B-boying, the the DJ culture, everything was just what we did. Yep. It wasn't necessarily, oh, this is a culture now. It yep. was just a thing that everyone was into. Right. And then it felt like somewhere along the line, you know, you look back and mm-hmm. you realize, okay, this is more than just a passing thing. This is now right. a culture. Right. For someone like yourself who is furthering that culture through yep. your organization, but also is preserving mm-hmm. a particular element of that culture.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What does the notion of, of, of that even mean to you as far as like, yes, we're part of this thing that is now a culture. Mm-hmm. Now we have to be intentional about preserving it or yeah. furthering it. What is that? What does that mean to you?
1: Yeah, cool. So there's a lot that goes into a name. And when we break down Soul Food Cypher, Yeah, we're talking about the cypher, but essentially we're also talking about food for people's souls. So when you talk about, you know, what we've been doing in Atlanta for years and even predating quote-unquote hip-hop culture, we're essentially feeding our souls. And that's something that goes back to the traditions of jazz and also the blues. So this is about maintaining uh, spirit, and it's a means of survival, you know what I mean? Uh, It's interesting, I was having a conversation uh, the other day with uh, one of our members of Soul Food Cipher, and uh, as I was sharing with him, you know, I've really gotten deeper into jazz and gotten deeper into um, soul music ever since I've been participating in hip hop. And one of the things that strikes me is just the the resonance of the solo and how beautiful a solo is. Essentially, a solo is laying bare the essence of someone's soul, and for black musicians in particular it's transcending racial space. It's something that's purely sonic, but also very spiritual. And I feel that freestyling in particular is uh, something that uh, is deeply tied to a spiritual essence and feeling amongst a community, and a cypher definitely brings that out. Uh, In regards to Atlanta as a space, uh, what's interesting about Atlanta is that it is equally southern and eastern at the same time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's so much that relates to Atlanta as a transportation hub, physically, but also artistically in the art space as well. We've always been a place that can take in so many different vibes, so many different cultures. Um, But what's truly unique about Atlanta is that it's equally... Southern in the sense that it definitely has that southern sound, that southern feel, but also very eastern as far as it being uh, having some of the dopest lyricists as well. And I think that's what makes Atlanta so unique is that it can share both of those identities. Um, And also in a larger sense, in a social, economic, and political sense, Atlanta has been seen as a black Mecca. Um, And it has also been one that has been uh, progressive, unlike some other southern cities as well. So I think Atlanta is in a very unique space and place, uh, both historically and uh, in contemporary times as well.
0: I think that that welcoming spirit and that transportation hub that Atlanta uh, embraces sometimes makes it difficult for people to know exactly what Atlanta is, Mm. or at least to maybe define that or to document that or pay homage to that Mm -hmm. because so many folks come to Atlanta and they're able to add to what's already happening that sometimes, at least in my opinion, it's hard to craft the right context to celebrate what Atlanta is because Mm -hmm. everyone can come here and flesh out whatever they're working on and add to it, but do we ever get a chance to see this is Atlanta. Mm. Um and I think that's one of the things that maybe Atlanta the TV show has done mm. is, you know, really kind of tap into the native spirit of Atlanta yeah. while still welcoming the other layers on top of that. Yeah. Um and I wanna maybe extend the Atlanta continuum forward into the era of of trap music because one of the things that gets cast upon Atlanta in this era of trap music is is mumble rap yeah. or or and and that's usually used in a in a derisive kind of way mm-hmm. um i've always felt that even when you process how the artists who are kind of of Atlanta right now are communicating there's still some beautiful lyricism in those mm-hmm. in those words i think for whatever reason the beat kind of obscures that mm-hmm. but I still feel like there's there's a lot of strong communicative um, talent, Mm -hmm. even within this notion of what trap rap looks and feels like. Yeah. So I want to ask you, as we stand or as we sit in this place of contemporary art, what is the contemporary state of freestyling? In terms of the evolution of the art like where does where where does the art stand right now how do you contextualize the art of freestyling in 2018
1: that's a powerful question uh again i think freestyle in particular in a popular sense um it's not as celebrated as it once was in the past um In particular, you know, I grew up in the 90s, and just looking at battle rap, uh, for example, battle rap in the 90s, uh, and I would even say in the 80s, um, was improv-based, and it was to a beat. If you look at battle rap nowadays, in the more popular sense, most rap battles are premeditated, and also... um, they are uh, without the aid of uh, instrumental. It's all a cappella. So it's very different and it's much more of a show, um, more so than a uh, talent competition in a sense, you know? Uh, not saying that the, the, the MCs there aren't talented, but there's definitely a major change in the way that um, battles are showcased. In the case of the Cypher, we actually made a decision very early on that we wouldn't host any battles or we wouldn't, be, um, we wouldn't necessarily be a platform for battle MCs in particular. Uh, we wanted to show that Decipher was a community. It's a microcosm of our community and uh, we wanted it to be a place of positivity. So I think that's a, a major difference between what we do and also what battles are. I think there's a time and place for battles. I'm not knocking battles at all. Um, and that's just not what we do. Yeah. But in particular, as far as freestyle was interesting, and going back to the original question, uh, there's some debate as far as what constitutes a freestyle. Uh, and, you know, even internally, we've, you know, hold, hold, held that uh, debate. Um, you know, some of the, of, of, of a, there's some who are within the mindset that a freestyle is um, anything that hasn't been put to a song. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even if it is premeditated, if you spit a pre-written over a beat, then it is considered a freestyle. And there are some who hold that belief, and there's OGs that hold that belief, and we respect those OGs. Um, but you know, from my perspective, uh, freestyle is something that's made up on the spot and uh, improvised. And again, you know, tying it back to the traditional jazz and the blues and improvisation, that is a direct correlation to it. Um, nowadays, unfortunately, I. Do, and this is not my opinion, but I do think that a lot of people see it as a novelty mm. uh, or a novel act. Um, but to me, I think freestyling is something that is deeply, deep, deeply psychological. I think it's something that is deeply innate. Uh, I think it's something that is um, a specialization. And I think it should be celebrated. So for me, uh, one of my goals with the Cypher is to reframe the conversation of what an MC is and even um and I don't take this lightly even rebranding an mc as a city's greatest historian as a city's greatest teachers because for me mcs have taught me so much and i think being a, a mc freestyle is actually a part of that bag i remember back in the day you know we would listen to the radio station to listen to mcs come freestyle i'll never forget 88.5 9899 black star dropped the album they came to atlanta to drop a freestyle live on air and like that's part of being an MC even if you're not the greatest freestyle MC at least you're giving a piece of your soul to the listeners that are out there and there's a certain vulnerability that is special with the craft of freestyle um in which the MC opens up what are their thoughts right there on the spot we're sharing this moment in time we're seeing all of the things that are around us and i'm giving you my perception of what that is and i think that freestyle is something that is very important um to an MC's uh, canon.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. And for those who are listening, uh, Black Star is uh, Talib Kweli and Most Def, also known as Yassine Bey, uh, for those who may not have caught the reference. Yes, sir. Um, going back to to that, though, because you said a lot, and I kind of want to, you know, bring it together for those who mm-hmm. may have missed a couple of things that were important. I'm that freestyling. Did you, you said, right, <laughs> right. Um, you know... There's there's always been this evolution of of freestyling and battling and yep. where that's appropriate and where that maybe falls mm-hmm. out of bounds. So mm-hmm. there are moments where in a battle, like they're they're organized, you know, battles where a couple of combatants are going to go into a space. Someone has to win. Someone has to lose. Yep. Like like that is it's a battle yep. and the crowd. Sometimes plays a role in determining that. Sometimes there are judges mm-hmm. like these are full-on events where it's like elimination style. Mm-hmm. Um, then there are oftentimes like you like what you said, where an MC may be having a featured moment and they just go in for a length of time just to be able to demonstrate their lyricism. Yeah. Um, I think there's also moments that happen within a culture, within the culture. That we all we often don't see. Mm. I remember um, Biggs. Um, so, Rockefeller, the early days, mm-hmm. you had Dame, Dash, Jay Z, and Biggs. Yep. I think Biggs was telling a story where Jay Z was stalking LL Cool J. Mm. And wherever LL would pull up, <laughs> Jay Z would be right there to <laughs> battle him on the spot. Like, yeah. hey, I'm letting you know. I'm here. Yep, and I think at that time LL was the king of the mountain, and some in some way still is. LL yep. is a legend,
1: and that's actually how uh, Keith Murray got uh, some acclaim as well. I believe it was Big Daddy Kane yeah. that he battled as well. Yeah. So that was a thing back then. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, I think uh, um, Jay mentioned this previously. I think you know him and DMX had an infamous battle. Mm-hmm. You know, like like there are these infamous battles where it's not necessarily. Well, it is competition, but it's, yep. it's, it's also to establish where you are in the pecking order within your craft. Yes, and so once upon a time, that used to be the way in which you had to situate yourself within mm-hmm. your fellow MCs. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to battle, or I'm coming for where you are. Mm-hmm. Defend your territory, et cetera, yep. et cetera. And that has roots further back in some of the early culture mm-hmm. where you had these, you know, sound clashes and MCs and everything kind of go go that mm-hmm. way. But to bring that forward um there's more money now you know people yep. aren't willing to necessarily put their reputations on the on, on the the line in that in that kind of way
1: yep.
0: um to where if you get embarrassed it may you know mean you miss you know some checks or mm-hmm. maybe you don't get as much of you know acclaim as you thought
1: right and there's also different types of mcs as yeah. well yeah yeah and not, and not everybody
0: wow. comes from that is cut from that same kind of cloth right. so it's not it's not meant to really kind of put everyone in, or paint with a, a broad brush but I want to ask you, going back to right. this notion of MCs kind of bearing their their souls, mm-hmm. what did you think of of Black Thought's freestyle
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, last year when he went on like a 10-minute freestyle? I mm-hmm. think it was on, what, Funk Flex? Yep. I'm sure you saw that. Yeah, absolutely. When you see, because you talk about, you know, part of your canon, yep. Black Thought, well-established, yes. well-established yes. MC. Yep. Um, what does it mean for artists like that right. to still engage in the practice of performative
1: Hmm. lyricism,
0: whether it be some off the top, some pre-written, some combination thereof. What does that mean to you when you see that?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, I'm excited to see that. I'm enthused by it. Um, What I really appreciate about uh, Black Thought's freestyle is the fact that, yes, he's uh, had great success as far as being a recording artist, um, also, being a personality. He's also an actor as well. Um, but he did that strictly for the culture. And I think that is what is missing. Um, just the fact that he would put himself on the line and do a 10 minute freestyle that was deeply personal. Um, he bared his soul, you know, and I think that that was super, super dope. Now, there's a caveat to that uh, 10 minutes is impressive, and it's not really about the length, it's more about the subject matter and also the skill I will say that there's other MCs who do that on the regular sure. <laughs> you get what sure. I'm saying yeah, yeah, such yeah. as like a Supernat, mm. who hasn't necessarily gotten the same type of acclaim but see the thing about it is Black Thought and this is nothing to take away from you know Super Nat, Black Dot has also, you know, made the music. He can do I'm both. Saying? He can do both. And yeah. that's what's so unique about yeah. it, is that he's not just a novelty act. Now, I'm not saying that Supernat is isn't either, because I think Supernat inspired an entire generation mm-hmm. of freestyle MCs. Um, and, I mean, his battles with Juice is legendary. Um, but I love the fact, this is what's most important for me with Black Dot, is the fact that he did it for the culture, It wasn't to necessarily do it to you know promote something or anything. He just did it because he is leading by example, and that's exactly what an MC should do. And it made MCs step up the game very much, like uh, Kendrick Lamar's "Control" verse. Mm -hmm. You know, he dropped that, and I mean, even took shots of you know at people on the same record. Sure, Um, but I think by leading by example is what MC should do. Yeah, and I think that's the foremost responsibility. Of an MC,
0: and I, I to to concur. I mean, I concur with, with 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 what you said, and I think that there is something to be said. And granted, someone like Black Thought, mm. or there, I mean, there are other artists who have, you know, done similar things. But to me, what it says is, this craft is still important to yes. me, and there are some people who are well-versed in that particular type of, yep. of you know, lyricism. Yep. But I, I think that there's this notion that once you get to a certain level of celebrity mm-hmm. or recording fame, that your process is different or that your attention to detail is different yep. or that you don't take it, take it quite as seriously or yep. that you're not really real anymore in some people's eyes. Yep. But being able to basically go from playing in the NBA to pulling up, you know, at your local park and still, you know, playing street ball, yep. showing that you can still play both, I yep. think, is one of the, it, that was my analogy for, for, for folks who kind of don't get that. But, like, it's one of those things where, like, I can do this. I'm not getting paid to do this. Yep. I'm going to still pull up and we can still go for a run.
1: That's why Kobe went to the Rucker in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's why – Uh, Kevin Durant Went to the Rucker Yeah It's like You still gotta show love I mean I think that's A big part of um, Black culture In a sense is like Not forgetting where You come from Mm -hmm. Even if it's not literal I mean for example Kobe grew up in Italy You know what I'm saying Right But he still went To the Rucker And like got Massive love For coming out there And playing With local MCs And I mean Not MCs But uh, uh, ballers Or basketball players Um, And that's part of Like the, the, the The culture of the Cypher It's like we want the cipher to be an open invitation for people to come back and give to their communities as well. Um, we've had, you know, people the cipher. decipher. Uh, Tony Rock, you know, dropped in one time and you know showed some love uh, The Brat and also Headcrack have dropped into the cipher. So I mean, we do get uh, celebrities uh, who come in. Some rap, some don't. But at the same time, I mean, it's just about showing love and just coming on a community level, yeah. and that's so important.
0: Yeah, it's very important and. Yeah. It's, to me, those moments, as well as the in-person moments where the ciphers take place, these add layers of context Mm -hmm. to what the culture looks like because the culture um, is a lot of the things that you see online and on TV and it's all of the the things that you see in person. It it kind of is an expansive community that people relate to or Mm -hmm. have a connection to. Mm -hmm. And for those looking on the outside, or from the outside looking in, if you're not in the culture, then maybe you don't always see the connections between what happens here in this space and what happens here in this other space. Um, But with that being said, with the MCs as leaders and and documentarians and Mm -hmm. teachers, what I want to ask you is, how does hip-hop culture, how does... Freestyling or performative lyricism or lyricism, regardless of how you're performing it mm-hmm. how does that get preserved in a museum space? How would you like to see that preserved because maybe not in, in the a museum space but in a in a high art space. I look at dance also
1: mm-hmm.
0: there you know dance is preserved and accepted as a certain at a certain level of cultural expression right that takes place in some of these fine halls and places where do you see or how do you want to see freestyling preserved in that same way
1: cool so if you don't mind we're speaking candidly
0: we're speaking candidly
1: and uh i mean this with the utmost respect sure especially in a In uh, uh, facilities such as a contemporary, you know, Mm -hmm. I consider, you know, friends as well. Uh, In hip hop, we don't really care about that. Okay. I'm just going to be real. Um, When I even just think about graffiti art, graffiti art (laughs) in large was a response to uh, the museum space, meaning that especially in what, the 60s and the 70s, um, in which is most modern conception of it, because I mean, it's been around. Sure. For ages and for centuries, Mm -hmm. just to be real. But as far as the um, name-based, tag-based graffiti uh, that's spreading in uh, inner cities, beginning in Philadelphia, spreading all throughout the northeast and most prominently featured in New York City, um, or arguably. (laughs) Uh, It was largely in response because black artists, um, Latino artists, were not featured in, you know, museum spaces. So it's like, you know what? We don't need that. Boom. We're going to take over public space. Mm-hmm. So it was a large response to that. Yeah. So I think hip hop is going to rock regardless. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? when um, We were talking about... Uh,
0: Hold up, though. I mean, let me just interject, though. Keep that, keep that thought. Yeah. While hip hop may not care, or while some folks in, in hip hop may not care,
1: mm-hmm.
0: let me add this. Well, my opinion is it's still it's still important to document culture places oh, yes. places of 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 art that artifacts things yep. that culture leaves behind. Yep. These things still need to be preserved and documented so that people can begin to make sure that they are acknowledging the past, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, if not in the quote unquote you know art spaces, where would you like to see those cultural artifacts from hip hop preserved yes. in a way that? hundred years from now, the same way that we can go back and see the Mona Lisa mm-hmm. in, you know, in France in Paris for folks who want to learn about the origins of hip hop. Mm-hmm. Where would you like to see them be? Wh- how and where would you like to see them be able to do that?
1: Right. So I'm going to start off what I think is the most important artifacts mm-hmm. um, of a culture. Sure. In particular, it's not necessarily like the physical Artifacts, but in particular the values that you get from a culture. Okay, uh, for example, with hip hop and particularly, I would say, actually, I would say all the elements have taught me this: uh, graffiti, um, break dancing, and also MCing have taught me the importance of community and respect. Um, also, values such as responsibility, um, and also one. That's probably most important. And the fifth element is knowledge. You know, understand where you come from. Uh, in the case of, for example, with graffiti, respect is like rule number one. You know what I mean? You got to know where you're painting. Uh, you don't want to ever paint over other people's stuff. All those things, those are all life lessons. Because then in the day, if you ever go work for somebody, you're going to need to learn respect. In the same mentality of graffiti artists, the same mentality of ceos believe it or not so i think ingrained in that those are the true artifacts now when we talk about physical artifacts and knowing the history and the knowledge uh, again that's one of the core values that i personally have taken from it and i think most people take from it especially if you're a student of the culture as far as the physical space i think that you know historically djs you know have played a very important part of that okay as i mentioned you know um A lot of hip-hop hits are like this. As a matter of fact, one of our co-founders, Zayno, has a massive vinyl collection. But for us, I mean, for me, Zayno and a lot of us, um, you know, collecting those albums are very important um, because that's a direct tie and a physical tie Mm -hmm. uh, to our history, knowing where the samples come from, the artwork, the covers, all of that, and just simply, like, taking time to listen. Um, that's very powerful as far as places in which that can live. Yes, I do think, you know, museums are very powerful um, for that. But also celebrating, you know, our forefathers and foremothers uh, in this sense and having a place in which um, they can be heard and um, also um, receive love and shown love. And that's why I think, you know, ciphers are so important. Um, the idea of a cipher as a continuous meeting space was novel when we created it in 2012 but it's grown to show the importance that we need a space in which we have fellowship in the hip hop community without battles. We don't need that right now. Um, again there's a time and place for it but what we need is fellowship. We need a place where we can come together where we can share and express the people in hip hop are more important than the artifacts in hip hop. Um, we are losing artifacts to you know digital technology all of that I think DJs, you know, play in a, a very important role as far as documenting that. But the most important things that come from hip-hop culture are not the physical things, but the people and the values.
0: Gotcha. Um, before we got on, I asked you if you still got excited about mm-hmm. record releases or, I guess, music releases. Uh, I think Friday's become the new Tuesday. I think back in the day it was yep. Tuesdays. yeah. Uh, Nowadays, Friday is the new, today, these days, Friday is the new Tuesday. Things drop, lots Mm -hmm. of times, Friday at midnight, something Mm -hmm. drops, you know, and you get a whole bunch of new music to go into your weekend Mm -hmm. with. Um, Do you still get excited?
1: When I hear good music, I get excited. Okay. Um, Because there's so much music that's out there, uh, it's hard to, you know, decipher through all the fog and. Try to find things. But when good projects release and it catches me off guard, I can't help but like good music. Uh, It's a gift and a curse because nowadays you have to make really good music in order to catch people's attention. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or you have a sensationalized song. But, I mean, that's been going on for for many years. I mean, I even just think about, like, Netflix, like like, my movie-going experience. Like, if I turn on Netflix and something doesn't capture – my attention within the first three to five minutes, either from storyline or from production values, I'm going to skip over to I find something that uh, immediately hits me. And a lot of times, I do like highly produced things, and that's just, in you know, all honesty, same thing with music. It doesn't necessarily have to be you know um, major production, but it has to be something that intrigues me. Uh, one of the artists that really intrigues me, and necessarily say my favorite MC, but one that intrigues me because he's thinking of. Uh, different ways of sharing his music and also um, how he's releasing. And that's Drake. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when we were talking earlier, I mentioned, uh, I think it was a year or two ago, he released a playlist. You know, it was like an interesting way to not release an album, but release an album. But that's essentially what albums have become for most people, are playlists or just handpicked songs um, that the consumer will download or listen to. Um, I think that that was a pretty interesting statement. And even his latest release only has two songs on it. And yet, that's tearing up the charts because that's all he needs. So I think...
0: He understands the industry so well and understands how to play within the cracks and the crevices within the industry. Yeah. What did you think about uh, the guys playing video?
1: Oh, it's interesting. Um, (laughs) I have mixed feelings about it. Mm. Um, Miami is a place that I love. Yeah, uh, it's a place that continues to inspire me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a place where I actually have uh, a lot of friends who live there. Uh, so to see, you know, Drake show love to the Miami community is great. Uh, working in philanthropy and working uh, in the nonprofit sector, um, I've learned that there's different ways of uh, showing community support. Necessarily, just giving someone a check isn't necessarily means of doing it, and also, while that's great, it's also good promotion for, you know, his company. Yeah, I I'm mean, just keeping it real.
0: It, so it's he understands though. He he understands all of that. Yeah, he yeah.
1: he does. So I mean, at the end of the day, man, like I think it did more positive than negative. Okay. At the end of the day, I mean, if it helped families get through, through to the next week or through the next month, I mean, I cannot complain, I'm not going to hate on Drake. Um, You know, I definitely think that uh, Drake is one of the greatest artists of our times um, for many reasons. Uh, Not necessarily my favorite MC or top 10 MC, but I think he's a very important MC. And the fact that, you know, he's going into communities and showing love, um, that's important. And I think that is part of the role of an MC. So going back to, you know, what I said earlier, like the number one um, thing for MC is, you know, respect and responsibility. It's like having responsibility to your community um, and also respecting those. So and all those, he has checklists uh, all over. But just being hypercritical of, you know, philanthropy, um, it's harder to show, you know, um, key holders, stakeholders, uh, invest, investing money, into communities and holding board meetings and all those things. It's much easier just to give someone a check. Yeah. Instead of, you know, seeing, like, systemic planning and um, building revenue models in order to enact change. Like, you know, like, it's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a quicker way of showing that you're giving back to the community. I just don't know the longstanding impact that it yeah. will have. And I think that's, that's just me wearing, you know, uh, the philanthropic hat.
0: Yeah. But what I, I think may come out of that moment is that him being as visible as he is, mm-hmm. what he may have done is perhaps be an example to other, you know, peers of his to do more things in their communities if they have not done, you know, some of that already. Yes. Just being visibly, you know, forward in that way. Yeah. Um, second to last question I want to ask you. Um
1: we had to end so early. Man, we can't continue the conversation.
0: Uh, we got to, we got to wrap it up. Um, <laughs> but second to last question, um, just kind of give you the notion that the end is near. Okay. Um, but I want to ask you. You talked about Netflix and you, you talked about well-produced shows. Yep. Um What did you think about the Get Down?
1: Oh. <laughs> We're speaking candidly, right?
0: We're speaking candidly.
1: Uh, the Get Down was a letdown.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: And the reason I say that. You know, much respect to Nas. Much respect to Grandmaster Flash. You know, um, I forget the director's name. Uh, was it? Um, I forget his name. Highly stylized Romeo Juliet. Uh, his name slips my mind right now. Long story short, he had the idea of creating a film or slash series. That explored the roots of hip hop Utilizing his style His style is very colorful Very uh, What's the word that I'm looking for It's a style that is Very glossy Okay That time period In New York Wasn't necessarily glossy Yes you had the 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 disco But that was more glitter than gloss Mm. (laughs) You get what I'm saying Yeah yeah And I believe that the get down was over budgeted. Mm. I think that there's of course problems when you're under budget, but also you have problems when you're over budgeted. There was too much money thrown to that for half of that budget. They could have gotten a better film or a better series. Mm -hmm. It was cheesy. It was corny in some aspects. Um, I think that, A lot of it was factual but I also think that it was from one perspective as well gotcha Um, now I grew up and I will add this caveat I grew up idolizing um, Wild Style Beach Street I look back and breaking you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. those films are corny you know (laughs) what I mean (laughs) right terribly corny now I will say this perhaps it wasn't targeted for me as a 30-something-year-old um, you know, uh, cultural enthusiast. If it lit a spark in a 14-, 15-, 16-year-old, then it definitely did its job. Um, it's, it's ironic because they actually released it on my birthday, uh, August 11th um, of 2016. Yep. So I remember I was in Puerto Rico just waiting for it to drop and uh checked it out and you know, I was just a little disappointed because it was it wasn't necessarily it didn't necessarily embody what I had come to know of the culture, especially at that time. So it was just too glossy.
0: Glossy, but hopefully as you said, you know, can it can it can be inspiring to some folks and yes. maybe, you know, bringing them closer into the culture and yep. you know it that's a hard story to tell. Yeah. Just thinking at it from a cultural standpoint, from a producer standpoint, like that. It's it's a hard story to get right, hmm. to, you know. Um, but I I believe there's room to maybe try it again. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. From some particular perspective. I agree. Um, as we wrap up, how do you want anyone hearing this to to support? You soul food cipher, or to come into the cipher, to come to the cipher. Um, how do you want people to you know invest themselves in whatever way they have you know available into that movement?
1: Great question. Uh, I think authenticity is key to all of this. Um, before asking anyone for a dime. Before I ask anyone, you know, for their time, I think that people have to feel where we're coming from. I think when you take time to understand the messages that these artists are sharing with you, you begin to empathize as well. For example, we're talking a little bit earlier about trap music. And you're absolutely right. You know, these MCs have a story to tell. These MCs are actually skilled. But the music that stems up from trap music is a de- has a direct correlation to a city's policies. There's a reason why these MCs sound quote unquote mumble. Perhaps that's because of a divestment in our school systems. So when you're able to understand uh, that there's a direct correlation between some of the systemic issues that we have uh, in a city. And then what you're hearing on the radio, then you'll have more of an investment into perhaps changing these outcomes. But at the same time, we want to be able to showcase that these MCs, they have a story, but they also have skills. And we want to help grow these MCs. So that's exactly what we're doing with Soul Food Cipher. We are taking MCs and we're polishing them. You know what I mean? Like these are gems in our communities. Why not be able to invest them so that they understand the power of the cipher, understand the cipher theory and it being a platform for teaching and communication? Uh, Why not teach them performance skills, how to address the crowd, how to hold the microphone, stage presence? Why not teach them how to go into schools and work with kids, best policies of working with kids? Because that in itself is one of the greatest investments that we can give to our next generation. So, you know, from there, once you're able to empathize and realize that everything that we're doing has direct correlations uh, to our policies, that completely opens up uh, conversations as far as time and also money.
0: Alice Costa, thank you for your time.
1: Uh, Thank you.